Hey, seasoned athletes, I'm Robin Leggett, and this is episode 33 of the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. This is your home for inspiring stories and motivational advice from competitive athletes from a wide variety of sports who all share one common bond. They are all over 40 years old. We're here to prove one story at a time that age does not have to prevent you from achieving your bold athletic and fitness goals. To learn more about this podcast and see show notes from this or any episode, visit seasonedathlete.me. And if you like what you hear, I would love it if you'd subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Today, I'll be talking to triathlete Erica McClurg. Before we get to that, though, let's meet this week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete. The Everyday Seasoned Athlete segment is where we share firsthand stories from athletes who are over age 40 and represent a wide variety of backgrounds and athletic experience. My goal through the stories these athletes share in their own words is to inspire you to get out and try something new. This week's Everyday Seasoned Athlete found running to be what she calls her salvation and her savior after a terrible accident. Let's get to know Krista Alderdice. Hey, I'm Krista Alderdice. I'm 41, almost 42 years old, and I'm an ultra runner. I get asked the question all the time, why? Why do you want to run 100 miles? I think for me... um, Running was and still is my savior. I had a terrible horse accident back in 2015, resulting in three surgeries within 10 months. Um, so for me, running is, is hope. Um, I was in some dark places, very depressed, because um, I'm the type of person who needs a lot of physical activity to keep me whole. Um, so running was my release, my savior, my gift. Um, I was an avid endurance horseback rider, riding 50 and 100 milers. Um, so I wanted that same feeling of endurance that I got from riding um, through my running. And, and I really, I've really found it. Um, and it's kind of funny on the other side of an injury, um, the hope that you can find. And, and I did that with running. And I have to say that that running and especially trail running has given me such joy. Um, I experience a lot of this with my husband. We run together um, and we both finished a hundred mile or last year, my first one on foot. Um, so I would say to all those people out there who are over 40 and, and they don't know if there's a sport out there for them or a goal, um, I would say go for it, reach for it. Um, and just never give up, never give up on, on your dreams or your hopes. Um, and I feel like running has just opened so many doors for me. Um, I've made so many amazing connections through running and I just feel at peace when I'm on the trails. Um, So yeah, I think life leads us down great paths and bumpy ones, and we just have to have the faith and hope uh, and hard work to navigate both of those. So I hope you lace up your shoes and see see where the miles take you. I'm Krista Alderdice, and I'm a seasoned athlete. If you'd like to tell your everyday seasoned athlete story in a future episode, visit seasonedathlete.me slash everyday and tell us a little bit about yourself. And now it's time to meet this week's featured seasoned athlete who was bit by the triathlon bug after taking a triathlon training class in college. Let's get to know triathlete Erica McClurg. 
Hi, Erica. Hello. Are you ready to drop some seasoned athlete knowledge on our listeners today? I sure am. Fantastic. You are Erica McClurg, a high school science and swim teacher and triathlete out of Scottsdale, Arizona. You've been doing triathlons for about 26 years, and you have completed 15 Ironman distance races, five of which were at the World Championships in Hawaii. Over the course of your career, you estimate that you've completed approximately 300 triathlons of various distances. More recently, you've been focusing heavily on the Ironman distance, and you came in the top three in the three half Ironmans and one full Ironman that you finished in the last season. Is there anything vital personally, professionally, or from your athletic life that you'd like to take a quick moment to fill in? No, I don't think so. I think you've, I think you've uh, covered it pretty well. So from here, I'm going to ask you the big question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your age at this moment in time? 47 years old. Fantastic. So let's start from the beginning. When did you start playing sports, and what did your early athletic life look like? Let's see. Um, I think I first started playing sports when I was maybe six or seven, and I I joined our local swim team and I would do swim team in the summers. And then I played uh, soccer uh, for uh, uh, maybe from like age eight on. And I started out as they have like a recreational program in our area. And then the next year I played, they had a competitive team and I had to try out. So I decided, okay, well, I can try out for this soccer thing. So from about age eight to 13, I would play competitive soccer during the school year. And then I would swim on the local swim team uh, during the summers. And then a couple summers I tried to play softball, but I was terrible at that. So I quickly gave that up. I realized I did not have very good hand-eye coordination. I feel you on that. I always struggled with that as well. They put me in outfield, which is fine. So maybe could bounce a few times before I could try and catch it. My very one of my experiences, I played, I got to play first base and I was like, wow, this is exciting. I'm in the infield. The very first ball that came to me, I like put my glove out and I like misaligned it and hit me right in the throat and I fell to the ground. And so I was like, yeah, I don't think softball is really for me. That's, that's the way you find out, right? Just a nice <laughs> softball to the throat. So, so then I, uh, as I got into high school, I had to decide, they did not have girls soccer at this time in high school. So I had to decide did I want to keep playing soccer, which I loved, or did I want to get involved in high school swimming and then also high school track? And so I decided when in my freshman year that I wanted to stick with high school sports. And so I swam and ran track all through high school. I was a, a pretty good hurdler. I did the 100 meter hurdles and I was third in state my junior and senior year. I held the school record in our school for a while and I was decent at swimming, but I was not like division one caliber type athlete. And I was really set on going to a division one school. So I went to the university of Arizona and I think it was my sophomore year. We were signing up for classes and one of the classes that was available was triathlon training. And I was like, well, I swim, I run, I, I won the bicycle rodeo when I was in fourth and fifth grade. So I think, you know, I think I put all these things together. I think I might <laughs> like this triathlon thing. I like that. I won the bicycle rodeo. I'm going to, I'm going to kill it at this. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So like if I can follow, like if I, I find out all the signs for the right hand, left hand turn, stopping, I for sure can ride a bike in a triathlon. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's cool that they had a triathlon class. Like that's what an interesting thing to kind of stumble upon in college. Yeah. Cause I had, I always tried to take like they had, cause I wanted to stay active. And so I did like swim for fitness, jogging for life. And so then it was like triathlon training and it was like, learn the basics of, tra- you know, training for a triathlon. And I was like, well, Hey, I can, that, that sounds cool. So I just signed up for it and 
then it pretty much from there, that's how I got the triathlon bug. Yes. Now, what is it about triathlons that made you fall in love with them? I think I like it because of the fact that it's not just one thing you're training. You know, if you get bored of doing one thing, if if you're swimming too much, then you're like, oh, I will do more running. I just, I like to think I like the variety of the the choices that you have, you know, you don't always have to do the same. Like, you know, if you're a soccer player, you're always playing soccer. If you're you know, a swimmer, you're always swimming, but a triathlon, you get, you know, to choose from three things. Yeah. And it sounds like you've always been into playing multiple sports because, you know, growing up, you were going back and forth between soccer and swimming. And so it's like your mind has always kind of been in a place where you enjoy switching off from sport to sport. And here is here is a sport where you get to switch off between three sports in one event. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I guess I never really I never really thought about it like that, but you are exactly right. I nailed it. So tell me about the the triathlon club that you started at University of Arizona. I think it was my maybe my junior year. And some of the, the people that I had met in my triathlon training class, like we would train together and we decided that we, why don't we start you know, a club at the University of Arizona? And we decided we were going to call it the Tri-Cats. And I think maybe our first year, maybe we had like 10, 10 members and we... We just thought, you know, we wanted to, you know, kind of promote the sport of triathlon and, and bring more. Because it was still at that point, this is like 1990. And it still is very early on for a triathlon. It's still when it wasn't very well known. And people, you know, maybe seen the Ironman in Hawaii, but they just kind of thought that was the only thing that triathlon was. And so we just, I think we wanted to kind of educate people on it and just wanted to be together with a group of you know, like-minded individuals. So we came up with the Tri-Cats and formed a club and I think our was our first year we went to they had started collegiate nationals and so we rented a car from the school or borrowed the school car it was like a little sedan we put all of our bikes on the back on a bike rack it was lo- totally loaded down they, the school gave us a gas card which we thought was really cool and we drove to northern California and went to our first uh, collegiate nationals and we all did we did pretty well while we were there but you know we were so so small that we didn't you know we didn't really know what we were doing but the the club still exists today although they're now the school the club you know school's trying to go division one at least for on the women's side u of a has not yet but they still have their tri-cats club and so yeah to think that like it would still be going strong after you know 20 some odd years is pretty it's pretty exciting right and you help make that happen yeah yeah that's really cool and just a side note um I, I know that I, I like that you guys were on the forefront, like back in 1990 when triathlon wasn't as big a deal. And and obviously now it's it's everywhere and everybody's doing it. But at, back then, it's like you were kind of on the cutting edge by creating this club. And coincidentally, like I played roller derby for many years and I believe there is only one collegiate roller derby club possibly worldwide. And guess what school is at? The at University of Arizona? Yep. I believe so. I believe there's like a Derby cats or something like that. I remember seeing it and I'm like, that's so cool because I just, I would love to see that sport in colleges and at the university level and to see this one school start doing it. Um, and you know, I got a personal obsession with cats, so I kind of want to get one of their jerseys pretty badly. Uh, so when I saw that, that you created the triathlon club, it's like, that's, you know, you guys are on the forefront of, of, you know, these, these sporting clubs and, you know, hopefully someday, for both the triathlon and for the roller derby, it can become, you know, a division one sport at that school. But it's like when it's, when it's new, you guys are making it happen. Yeah. It's just, it's just starting to come around. And right now it's only for, for women. I think there's like, I think there's five schools now that like ASU actually has the Arizona state has one and then a couple of the other schools. And so I'm, then I'm thinking in my, to my mind, well, then they're going to have to start having high school, you know, 
you know, program. So I'm thinking, will high school triathlon show up before I retire from teaching? I don't know, but it'd be fun to start a high school program too. Right. And, and I know a good person who could run that program. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a thing or two about, about high school and triathlon. Right. And triathlon. Exactly. Yeah. It's perfect. So, um, what is your favorite triathlon distance and why? Oh gosh. Um, I think, I think now it is the Ironman. If you would ask me maybe six or seven years ago, I would have said the Olympic distance because I was, that was my specialty for so long. But I think as I've gotten older and I'm not as fast as I used to be. And I, you know, I tend to, you know, gear now more towards the longer uh, type race. I, I, I think I just, so I, would, I definitely would say it would be Ironman. And I, and I like it because of the, obviously the challenge of the distance. Cause you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, when you add, when someone asks you, what are the distances of an Ironman? You tell them out loud. You're like, that's kind of crazy. Why would I even do that? Right. It's got a whole marathon in it. And like, for me, I'm like, that's all that's it. Yeah. You're like, I swim this, I bike this and I run a marathon and they're like, wait, what? Right. right. <laughs> so I think I just, I, I like that it's such a long day and there's, you know, so much that, you know, can occur during the race. And, you know, if you have a bad, section during the race, you know, you can always hope that things are going to get better. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's just, there's more room for, I don't want to say error, but you know, there is, it's just such a long day and you, there's so many things can change and transpire that, you know, it gives you, it's like, you can be more patient when you're racing, whereas you're doing like a Olympic or a sprint, you know, it's like, there's not a lot of room for error and everything is, you know, important and it matters. And I, I just, I, I don't know. I think I just like the patience of the day and, you know, how long it is. And I love the training. I love, you know, kind of grinding it out through the hours of training and stuff like that. Yeah. It's an excellent point about the Ironman distance versus the shorter distances. And, and I see that in what I do in the, I do obstacle racing where it's like in those short distances, like one mistake and you're done. Like, yeah, one little mistake and, and that's, you're, you're not reaching a podium. You're, you're done. And an Ironman, maybe, you you know, your, your swim didn't go so well, but you have a lot of opportunity to make up ground, um, in the bike and the run. So, yeah. yeah, So it gives, it gives you like a greater opportunity to kind of run your race and not be crushed if something doesn't go well at any point of it. Okay. I like that. So you told me when we were first uh, talking about doing this interview that you have completed approximately 300 triathlons, which is a lot. Um, <laughs> so I want to go back and kind of touch on some points in the entirety of your race career. So can you remember out of those 300 triathlons, can you remember your worst, hardest, uh, most difficult race or, you know, I, I like to say your worst day on the course? And if so, can you share that story? I know that there was one race where I was up in Flagstaff. Uh, Arizona, which is at altitude. So that is hard, you know, to begin with. And we got to the race and it was kind of, it was, it was in August, which is generally supposed to be a nicer time of the year, but there's the monsoon season that we have here. And so we got to the race and it looks pretty stormy. And we're like, Hmm, well, they're like, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to, we're going to send you guys out. And so as we're swimming, I'm swimming along and all of a sudden I'm like, I swear I see lightning. And so, you know, we're like, <laughs> we're swimming along and it's like, we come out of the, and there was two, there's like two, dis- two different distances, like a long course and then the short course. And I think I was in the long course. It was not, not like a half Ironman or an Ironman. It was just a longer version of that race. It was kind of some odd distances. So, so anyway, so we, we get out of the swim and I, they, I hear them say that they were canceling the short course due to the lightning. 
you know, over the lake. So I'm like, oh, that's great. They let us go out there. That's fine. Yeah, that's, we, we all survived. That's cool, guys. We're, we're cool. We all survived. We did not get struck by lightning. It was fine. So, okay, well, we're going to start. We're still, we're still continuing. So we get onto the bike. And when it's up at 7,000 feet elevation, it, it, it starts to rain. It gets quite cold. Yes. And so we go out on the bike and, you know, we're just wearing you know, our bathing suits because that's all anyone wear, would wear at that time. And so I'm riding along in my bathing suit. It's pelting rain. It's freezing. And I, I make it through the bike. I get done with the bike and I am so cold. I come into the transition area and I am so cold and I can't even unbuckle my helmet. I can't even feel my feet trying to take my shoes off. <laughs> you know, so I'm like having people like her, like reaching over and a triathlon. I'm not supposed to have any outside assistance. It's supposed to be, you know, illegal. And so I like look at my mom and I'm like, mom, can you unbuckle my helmet? And she's like, no, that would be illegal. I'm like, mom, <laughs> it's cold. And so then I think it was even like my boyfriend at the time, his mom comes reaching over and she like helps me get my helmet off. And I finally get my shoes off, get my running shoes on. And I can't even like feel my feet as I am running. And I think finally, by the end of the, I think it was like a six or seven mile run. I, by the end of the race, I could finally feel my feet, but it just, I don't know. It was, it was just freezing cold. It was just miserable, but yet, you know, we all kind of stuck with it. And even, you know, kind of the camaraderie of everyone suffering through all the elements, you know, in uh, the race. Uh, so that was probably one of my worst, you know, it wasn't horrible because I mean, I still finished. And I've actually only had one race that I've ever done that I haven't uh, finished. So out of all of those races that I think that's pretty good percentage. I would say that's an excellent percentage. <laughs> and I totally, I, I can relate to the story of just being in the miserable weather race. I've been in one of those races, but it's like, you're all suffering, but you're all suffering together. Nobody's suffering any worse than anybody yeah, exactly. else, but it doesn't make your suffering any better. You know, right, it, doesn't, right. it still sucks when it comes down yes. to it. So no, I feel you on that. So what is the most important thing you learned from that race experience? Um, I think that just, you know, as, you're going to be given, you know, conditions and there's really nothing that you can do about, especially about the weather. You can't control those types of things. So you kind of have to learn to deal with things that you can control and you can control like how you're going to think about the race. And instead of just saying, well, this sucks and I'm going to quit because I'm cold. I think you just learn to, you know, with what, you know, go with what you're given and just try and make a positive, you know, day out of it and try and, you know, just keep going forward. And so I think I just, you just learn, you know, to worry about the things you can control and not the ones that you can't, but you, you know, we couldn't control that mother nature was not being very nice to us that day. Yeah. But you can control how you react to it and how exactly, you, right. Yeah. Right. My, and mindset is such a huge thing in those types of races. And yes, you know, I have, a, I have a story about the, the race that I had, which was, you know, it was like, sideways rain and cold and we were climbing up a mountain and it was miserable but uh i raced with with a friend of mine in this race and we just started making this joke and we just anytime something turned particularly awful we would just say best day ever and right. you know as, as <laughs> jubilantly as we could and it, it just kept happening where it's like you know the rain starts pouring and then the wind kicks up and then we're just sliding down mud on the mountain it's like best day ever and that became our mantra that we've used in other races when we knew that the conditions would be difficult and it's like you know you could succumb to the suffering and have a crappy mindset or you can actually focus your mind and make the best of those situations what's that saying they say embrace the suck embrace the suck <laughs> that is correct so yeah there is something to that so if there's something to be learned from that situation it is embrace the suck for sure yeah right 
So on the other side, can you tell us about your favorite race or your best day? Um, I think uh, that we, my husband and I and several of our friends, we used to travel every summer in August back to do this race. It was uh, uh, called Mrs. T's Chicago Triathlon, and they uh, they still have it uh, going on now. I think now it's, it's owned by Lifetime Fitness, but it is um, a race that's been going on for, I would say, like 30-some-odd years. And um, they had uh, one year, you know, like the women, my, I think my women's wave was like one of the, the first waves to go, to go off. I was like, I think it was like maybe, I think I was 25, 29. I mean, I was fairly young. I was still kind of new into the sport. And so I'm, you know, I swimming along, I'm biking and, and, and the swim is kind of crowded. The bike, there's, you know, a lot of people, it's a two loop course. So you're constantly passing people and you don't know like who's on their first loop and who's on their second loop and, whatnot. And so I'm starting to run and I start to run. There is this person appears on a bicycle and they're riding in front of me. And I'm like, what, what is this person doing? And then I started thinking, well, the only time I've ever seen a bicycle is when like someone is leading the race. And I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, am I leading the race? And so I was like, I, and so then as I'm running, people are like, way to go first girl and I'm like oh my gosh I'm winning the race <laughs> so here I'm like it was just pretty cool to like you know have this person who's escorting you and on like the front of their bike it says like first place female and so that you know gives you tons of energy and then the crowd is you know yelling at you and cheering you on there was a and it was a downtown Chicago so it's a very busy course and you know, there's lots of spectators and I remember like kind of turning the corner and like looking at the finish line and thinking like I am going to cross the finish line. I'll be the first female. This is going to be really exciting. So sure enough, I, you know, and there it was like, you know, the announcer went crazy and, you know, it was like, so it was really, I don't know. I just, that's always kind of has stuck with me uh, that race, just, you know, being like the first female and all the, you know, the cheers that I got. And just, it was a really cool feeling. Yeah. What a great experience, especially in a race where there's a lot of spectators, a lot of people cheering you on and just, yeah, having that jubilant moment, of yeah. uh, crossing first and knowing you're crossing first and, and, and feeling that confidence as you, as you were finishing where it's like, everybody's cheering you on, you've got the pace keeper and, and you know, you're going to do it. Like how cool, yeah. what a cool experience. Well, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah. I like that. Thank you for sharing. You bet. So what types of unique challenges or conversely, possibly even benefits do you find that you encounter as an older athlete training and competing at the level that you do? Um, I think, Probably, um, as I've gotten older, I've, you know, I noticed that I, you know, I can't put in, you know, as many hours of training as I used to. And I also require more recovery time. And, you know, I really, um, try and focus on, you know, really getting a lot of sleep because I feel like that's such an important thing for people, especially as we get older, because that's like when a lot of the recovery happens. And so I think just kind of learning to deal with, you know, Cause you, sometimes you see, you know, you get so caught up in like, Oh, I have to train, train, train. And I have to go all these hours. And now I have to kind of go with the less is more approach and go with a little bit more quality over quantity, you know? So making sure that when I do have my training sessions that I get a lot out of them because I'm not putting in as much volume as I used to, because my body just can't, you know, does this. No, no. <laughs> you start to get little, you know, niggles and things like that. And you don't, you know, so, but, but I also too have also, um, I get regular massage therapy. Like I go, you know, when I'm in 
pretty high volumes of training. I go see a massage therapist once a week and I haven't seen the same one for like seven years. And so he really knows my body well. And so I think that helps too. And I think you just have to kind of learn things that are going to benefit you, you know, like eating right, sleeping a lot, massages, you know, that kind of stuff. So, so you train, it's the train smarter, not harder approach. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's an excellent point about just kind of knowing what you need for recovery and working it into your training as opposed to train hard, then recover, which I think a lot of people mm-hmm. do when they're younger. And of course, when we're younger, we don't prioritize sleep. Like we don't think we right. need it all sleep when I'm dead. But when you get older and if you're listening and you're not, you know, in your forties or beyond, it'll come. Um, yes. <laughs> prioritizing Good. sleep will come and it's an amazing thing when you mm-hmm. actually do it you actually have the energy to do all the things that you want to do including training so right. yeah it's a beautiful thing when that happens and it does play a huge role in recovery so yeah building that recovery into your training and making that as important a part of your training as the workouts themselves and then yeah not not just beating yourself into the ground but training smarter rather than harder and yeah absolutely so in addition to your career as a high school teacher you've recently started doing some triathlon coaching yourself so as a coach and athlete what advice would you give to someone who's possibly interested in getting into triathlons i mean just i would tell them to especially you know people a lot of people want because iron man is kind of like the the big deal and, you know, half Ironmans are such a big deal, but I would tell people if they're just getting started with triathlons to start with, you know, the shorter triathlons, like an Olympic distance or a sprint and kind of get a feel for what it is like. And cause a lot of people are just like, I want to do an Ironman. And that's what they just want to go straight and start training for an Ironman where I think it takes you know a little bit to learn sport. So I would say, you know, start with the shorter races, kind of get, you know, a feel for what it's like. And then, you know, you can start working your way up to the, longer distances. Yeah. I've definitely talked to some people on the show who have had the story where it's like, my first race was a marathon. My first triathlon was an Ironman, but I believe they are rare specimens indeed. And it's why I'm probably talking to them on the show Um, (laughs) because they're, you know, these are some ridiculous humans in a good way. Um, But I agree that for most people and especially people who don't necessarily have a huge athletic background, um, starting short and kind of dipping your toes into the water is a good thing and seeing, you know, starting at a short distance. And if you really like it, then definitely push farther. But it would it would be difficult to start with an Ironman. And then if you hate it or you're struggling with it, that's a long race to get through. Um, so it's I, I agree with your approach and I like that approach um, as a coach. Like, do you have any training tips uh, for people who are just getting started? Like, what are the first things that you would tell them to do to train? Um, I would say to um, swim with swimmers because a lot of people when they start triathlons, they will um, just swim alone. But I think it's just such a good idea to kind of surround yourself with people who are swimmers and know about swimming. And I just think, you know, you learn, you pick up things a lot quicker and, you know, and just, you know, learn kind of more the tricks of the trade about swimming. Because swimming, I think, especially if you haven't you haven't done it as, you know, a child, it's probably one of the harder sports to pick up. And so I would say, you know, try and, you know, get yourself involved in like a master swim program or, you know, you know or maybe find some couple friends that you have that, you know, maybe our swimmers are going to the pool and swimming. Like, just don't go to the pool, you know, 
do a workout because you're never going to get any faster if you're not being pushed with other, you know, by other people. Yeah. So, um, I also think too, um, like was, you know, and, and, you know, bike and ride with other people, you know, just, I, I'm a big, I mean, triathlon, even though, you know, it's an individual sport, I'm a really big proponent of training a lot with other people and groups and things like that. But that's just my style. Yeah. Well, it gives you that level of accountability. It gives you that, like you said, like people to push you harder than you would push yourself. And um, when it comes to the swimming, because I think for a lot of people, that's probably the most intimidating part of starting to train for a triathlon or doing a triathlon, because when you're out in the water like that, you're you're surrounded by people who are right kind of on top of you based on my understanding of it. And so you could swim by yourself all you want, but you're not going to really know the experience of being out in the water with people kicking around you. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't kind of put yourself in an environment like that a little bit. Right. No, definitely. And even if you join a master's program, you know, and you're swimming in a lane with like four or five people all the time, your, your comfort level of being around people swimming is so much higher than if you're just always going to, you know, the pool and swimming by yourself. I'm not saying like you, have to always train with, you know, groups and things like that. Cause there's, there are times when you should just kind of do your own thing. But I think, you know, swim with swimmers, bike with bikers and run with runners and then, you know, go from there. So excellent advice. So, uh, what are your race plans for this year? You've done, you've done about 300. What are you looking at for this year? <laughs> uh, we'll see this year. Um, I have on my calendar so far, I'm going to do Ironman Santa Rosa, which is in May. So then, um, and then I'm going to do late season. I'm going to do Ironman Arizona. And then, but, I'll, but if I do qualify for Hawaii at Ironman Santa Rosa, then I will do Kona in October. So, and then I'll throw in a couple half Ironmans. Uh, in there as well. How difficult is it to balance your, you know, being a teacher and your schedule is probably fairly set in certain ways. Um, how difficult is it to balance, you know, traveling for these races and preparing for these races with your, with your job and your career? Yeah, I know what I mean. And then when you say it's, you know, it's fairly set, it, you know, it is, it's like the day starts at the exact same time every day, you know, lunch is from a certain time, it gets out at the same time, you know, so it is very, so I just think, I know I just have to be very organized with how I go about, you know, like I almost always have, you know, some type of early morning workout. I try to do most of my training in the early morning just because I really don't like to, at the end of the day, have to come home and like do another, mm-hmm. you know, training because then I want to spend time with my husband and, you know, just, you know, at the end of the day, you just kind of, you know, after working all day, you want to kind of try and relax. And so I do a lot of like over the, on the weekends, I do try and do a lot of stuff for the week. Like Sunday we do we just do meal prep where you make, you know, quite a few of our lunches for the week. Um, you know, get, you know, most of our chores and stuff done on the weekends and, you know, kind of plan ahead and like what we're going to have for dinner, you know, get all that stuff organized, you know, grocery shop, you know, whatever. So I think just being, and I'm just, I'm a fairly organized person. So it's easy for me, I think to, to be like this, but you know, it's just definitely like knowing that, you know, there's, you know, everything has a time, you know, work out in the morning, you know, and then go to work all day. And then when I'm in my coaching season, that adds another like two and a half hours, you know, every afternoon. So it's just, just about being, you know, when you're, you know, whatever time you have to do something like that needs to get done. You know, I make lots of lists, check things off, kind of stuff like that. So yeah, I think, yeah, just being really organized is probably the biggest key to balancing everything. So having that teacher level of organization, that you likely right. have to have for your job, you use it for your training as well. Exactly. Yes. Does your, does your husband race? He does. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, he does. He hasn't um, done any Ironman distance uh, races yet, but although he is 
uh, signed up for one this year. So that's going to be really exciting because I didn't ever think I would see him do an Ironman. And now he has signed up for Ironman Arizona. So I'm super excited. (laughs) I have a similar situation with my husband. I do Spartan races and I'm way, way into it. And it took him a little while to come around. He he said he did one longer distance race. And it's, and after that race, he's like, I'm never going to do anything longer than a sprint ever again, which is the short race. And I just got him to commit to the longer races this year. Cause all of a sudden he's like excited about it and excited about training. And so it's really cool to see that happen. And then to be able to, you know, travel with your partner and do races with your partners. Yeah. It's a really cool yeah. thing to get to do and to, and to be connected on the training and the meal, meal planning and all that. So, yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, he does like when he would, when I would train for my Ironmans and he would be doing like 90% of the training. And I'd always tell him like, you could do an Ironman, no problem because you're like, you know, he's out doing longer rides with me and runs and you know stuff like that yeah. so it's gonna be fun to watch him actually you know part of me wants to not race iron winners just so i can watch oh his, that's uh, tough you know i know so we'll see so before we go do you have one parting piece of wisdom that you've learned in your competitive journey that you'd like to share with our listeners i don't know i've just i have been you know i've just enjoyed so much uh being active my whole life and i just feel like it gives you such a different you know perspective on you know the rest of your life is it if you're out you know, and you're enjoying, you know, being outside and, you know, seeing, you know, sunrises and sunsets and just being thankful that you get to enjoy, you know, doing what you love. And I would just encourage anyone that's thinking about maybe taking that, you know, leap into, you know, the fitness side of, you know, their life that, you know, to not, don't be scared because there's just, there's so much out there. There's so many, you know, when I think about all the people that I have met, you know, through doing, you know, triathlons, it's just, it's just, it's opened my horizons to just so much more than just getting up and going to work every day. You know, it's just, it's such a, I know I just feel very lucky that I get to, you know, do triathlons and, and, uh, you know, meet all these great people that I've met in my life. And so, yeah, I would just say, I would just encourage people to, if they're thinking about it or they're scared to don't be because it's, it's awesome. (laughs) And it's been so awesome for me. That's that is wonderful advice. And uh, I mean, you touched on a few things there just that that resonated with me, like like being grateful for the sunrises and the sunsets and getting to see them. I think we all miss too many sunrises in our lives and they're really quite stunning. (laughs) And so I encourage people like set your alarm early, get up, go outside, go run, go ride a bike and see that sunrise because it's going to affect the rest of your day in a positive way. And then you, you talked about the community um, that so many sports offers. And it's so great to meet like-minded people who are, who are doing what you're doing and share your hobbies. And it's a healthy hobby and it's, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. it's a rewarding hobby. And, and they're all out there sharing that and competing with you and competing against you, but cheering you on when you're done. Like, it's, it's like nothing else. So yeah, I, I, would, you know, I would definitely agree. Yeah. So don't be scared. Get out there. Try something new. You never know how it will change your life. Right. Yes. So finally, uh, if someone wants to learn more about you, how can they do that? Um, I do have, uh, I do have a website. Uh, it's just ericamcleur.com and has a lot of uh, pictures and I haven't updated it too much lately, but I need to, do more of that. I, I also have, you know, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all of that, uh, good stuff. All, all under your name. Um, it's, let's see. I think my, my, uh, 
Instagram, I think, is E.L. McClurg. And then, yeah, and then everything else is under my name. Cool. So follow Erica, check out her website, and let this be the gentle nudge you need to to update everything on that website. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I need to go and do that. Yeah, here we go. (laughs) Pressure's on. So, uh, Erica, thank you so much for being on The Seasoned Athlete. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yes, I loved having you on the show, and... And love that you've been, you know, you found triathlon kind of at an early point uh, when not a lot of people were doing it and, and, you know, went on a limb, started that collegiate club and look at how far you've come now. Well, thank you. Yes, it's been a, it's been a fun journey so far. And it looks like you're nowhere close to ending it. So I wish you, you are, you are right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I wish you the best of luck and have a blast out there this season. All right. Thank you so much. All right, seasoned athletes, before we go, here are my top three takeaways from Erica McClurg. Number one, you can't control the circumstances around you, but you can control how you react to them. For example, if you encounter bad weather in a race, you can let it affect you mentally or you can stay strong and keep pushing forward. You can't control everything around you, but how you react is completely under your control. Number two, train smarter, not harder. Get to know your body and how you need to recover in advance and then work that into your regular training routine. Don't wait until you're injured to focus on recovery. Think prehab, not rehab. And number three, living an active life and participating in sport can expand your horizons, allow you to meet great like-minded people, and give you the opportunity to get in touch with nature. What's not to like about that? Thanks again to Erica McClure. Thank you for listening to the Seasoned Athlete Podcast. The music you heard on this episode is from bensound.com. All right, friends, I have a really big favor to ask. I need your help to get the word out about Seasoned Athlete. How can you do that? It's really easy. Just share. Share it with your friends, your family, your network, or anyone you think might benefit from the stories told by the incredible athletes featured on this show. Send out an email, share on social media, or sing our praises from the mountaintops. The more you talk about Seasoned Athlete, the more people we can reach, inspire, and motivate through this show. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for your help. And while you're at it, follow us on social Seasoned Athlete Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And hey, do you know someone who would make a great guest on this show? Shoot us an email, seasonedathlete at gmail.com and tell us all about them. Or if it's you, tell us all about yourself. Now go out there and embrace your extraordinary, my fellow seasoned athletes, because you know what? You so can. 